This is the Social Pros Podcast, the weekly show for real people doing real work in social media. With your host, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, and featuring Jeff Roars, Zena Wiest, and great guests from the world of social media and content marketing. Social Pros is sponsored by Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company, Xpian, Janray, and Cision. Ready to learn from the pros? Let's get to work. As the announcer said, this is indeed Social Pros episode 110. It is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as usual by my globetrotting friend, Jeff Roars from Exact Target. Jeff, where in the world are you today? I'm actually in the home office for one day out of the next uh, 21. <laughs> so you were the one thing. you were the one who wanted to write a book i just want to remind I know. you i just want to and i told you this was going to happen uh but you, you know, did not heed my advice sometimes you just got to learn the lessons first but, <laughs> you got to uh, learn it the hard way yeah but uh you know it, it is going to be taking me to uh ports of call in oslo and stockholm in the coming weeks so that's very cool i will be in yeah. stockholm this fall so please soften them up for me uh i absolutely will i am uh going to be uh Appraising uh, ABBA, as you nice. all know, I use it nice. as an acronym to always be building audiences. So That's I'm right. going to They'll the love land it. of ABBA. Very excited about that. And fun fact, yours truly, I am one quarter uh, Norwegian. So uh, I come by Oslo naturally. Interesting. Yes. I will, I will see if there are any bears there. Please do so. Uh, we are joined today on the Big Social Pros podcast by our new friend, actually an old friend, but a new friend of the show, the Senior Vice President for Product at XBion, Erica McClenny, uh, who is taking over for our friend uh, Zina Weiss. Zina's uh, joined Level 5 in Kansas City. Erica is going to be our new co-host on the show. Erica, welcome to Social Pros. If I had like a paper banner that you could run through like a high school football team, I would do that. So let's just visualize that and welcome you to the show. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. We are delighted to have you here. Where in the world are you? Zena, of course, was a, uh, a Midwestern Kansas City uh, lady, and I believe you are at the XBion home office, are you not? I am, and since I've had a product lately, I'm going to give you my wooed. I'm learning all the terminology. Uh, I'm actually based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina home of many smart marketers and quite a bit of good college basketball, which is very topical. Tis the season, the big selection show coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to March Madness. Speaking of madness, our special guest on the podcast here today is surrounded by it at all times. You folks are going to be blown away by the number of things that she has to juggle every day. If you think your job in social media is complicated, wait till you hear from our friend today, Erica Campbell Byram, who is the director of social media for homes.com and forrent.com. Erica, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So tell the folks at home uh, what is all inside your umbrella the, the the parent company's dominion enterprises uh but your primary brands are homes.com and forrent.com so uh tell the folks a little bit about your business model and and the things that the company is involved in just so they have sort of a sense for the work that you do in general sure so forrent.com and homes.com we primarily service the real estate and rentals industries. So we've got a lot going on with both brands and then we've got other real estate and multifamily brands underneath those umbrellas. So a wide variety of brands inside of the Dominion Homes real estate sector of Dominion Enterprises. 
and primarily with my role I'm focusing on the corporate social media roadmap including the social strategies for both of those brands as well as I oversee the operations for our social media client services department where we actually sell social media services into real estate professionals and multifamily housing professionals. So there's really two arms to our social media department on the brand side and then the client services side. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, right? You almost have two separate jobs. Uh, you have a very significant corporate social media presence, not just for one brand, but for multiple brands. But then, for lack of a better description, uh, you all are kind of an agency, right? You are you are executing social media programs for uh, realtors and property managers and real estate agencies. Uh, so you're really coming at this from what we would consider to be both sides of the table. Absolutely, and it kind of started with we had a lot of success on the brand side, and we, you know, we were asking ourselves how could we facilitate this in, you know, our industry because there's so many agents and property managers out there that love social media, but they just don't have the time or the tools to get it done. So we were able to put together some programs where we were able to scale social f on behalf of them. Um, so the two, you know, teams marry really well, you know, together, and they sit side by side. So we constantly have the two divisions interacting with one another and they bounce ideas off each other so it's been really great and it's you know to add on to all of that we've merged Fern.com and Homes.com into the same family for a while there we were separate brands separate leadership now we're all under the same leadership so throwing that into the mix too and getting the culture you know mixed in and all new processes and workflow so it's been a really interesting experience all around. Is it hard for you from a metric standpoint, given that the social media on behalf of the brands um, doesn't have a direct revenue tie, but yet the social media that you do on behalf of realtors and property managers does have a direct revenue tie? Does that create some friction points? Absolutely. It's a challenge that I deal internally all the time. Um, but luckily, you know, we've strategically aligned ourselves with our search engine optimization department and our SEM department. So we've got um, heavy involvement with our analytics team to help you know quantify the return not just of the metrics but the the time spent that our social department has so we're really able to work together between the three departments and put together some really nice reporting that showcases traffic and brand lift and awareness and all of that and and what's been great is our senior leadership team has been really wonderful in adopting to this ever-evolving space and understanding the role of social how it plays um, and how it's positioned us as a thought leader in, in the business side, the business-to-business -business side. So I think working with those two departments, you know, we're merging heavily with SEO and SEM more and more daily, so they've been really helpful in helping us kind of prove our time spent in the space. So your, your company's doing SEO and SEM for realtors as well as a paid service? Not at this time. We're just doing SEO, SEM for our brands mm -hmm. in-house. Um, you know, it may be something we explore for um, the business to business side one day, but right now it's all, you know, just for the brand side. When you're creating content uh, in social on behalf of realtors for whom you are selling services or, or guiding them, uh, do you create a, a Facebook post, for example, and then syndicate it to a ton of different realtors? Or are you doing sort of customized uh, content for each person? I think about, you know, what if you have three realtors who work with you in Birmingham uh, and they all have the same Facebook post? 
Yeah, so we have really sophisticated algorithms and technology in place where we're crafting a variety of content and it um, could be hyper-local based off of local RSS feeds that we have for the specific area. It could be a combination of um, home decor content, really evergreen content on top of local deals and local events. And the algorithm's written in a way where customer A and customer B that are in the same zip code shall never receive the same post. So there's a really nice like shuffling and, and mixture that we have and, and that's great for us because it allows us to scale but still develops quality, you know, high quality engaging content at the agent level. Yeah, that's pretty slick. I like that. Yeah. That's that's no joke. Um, from a channel standpoint, do you tell realtors, look, we're going to do Facebook and Twitter and one other, or do they get to pick their channels, or, or how does that work? I, I assume you're not doing every channel because that would be pretty cost prohibitive, I imagine, at the individual realtor level. So, so how do you uh, pick your battles? You know, we actually are taking on the setup for um, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, and Foursquare, and we wow. also um, claim and edit local listings for Google Plus, Yahoo Local, and Bing Local. So it's a large undertaking, but no obviously, you know, we only commit to to building those pages if they want them. Of course, we're not just going to go and set them all up if they don't feel as though they need them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're full service, hands-on shopping, getting them set up, getting them content, streaming the content across the channels. But then we're not just um, you know, we're not looked at as just feeding them content. We also want to educate them. So we have an entire education arm that I also manage. That's an entire like boot camp webinar series, um, monthly newsletters to coach them along the way, so that they're not just looking at us as an agency that's you know setting it and they're forgetting it. We really want to coach them along this process and educate them on the power of social and how they also need to contribute to that conversation. What do you find is the biggest difference? in terms of what you do and are successful with for the big brands, your brands, versus what you're executing on behalf of, of smaller realtors? Sort of what's the what's the major gap between those two? I think the major gap that I'm seeing right now is on the brand side, we have some relationships with blogger ambassadors. We've had a blogger ambassador program put together for um, a few years now, and that's been really helpful for us to get our content um, you know, seen by others and in, in niche areas that we needed to that we just don't have you know, the hands in, in home office here in Norfolk. So that's kind of um, given us the leg up for expanding the reach of the content. Whereas on the agent broker side, you know, it's just, it's ourselves pushing the content to the agent and then, you know, really encouraging them to share that content even further and, and continue the dialogue. So that's the difference is, you know, we've got a team that understands how to constantly engage, whereas the agent, they're still trying to learn that they do need to continue that conversation and engage back. And then they also don't have that blogger ambassador arm. Hey, Erica, this is Jeff Roars. Um, I have some past life experience uh, developing a, a real estate site. And so uh, I know some of the, the challenges of hurting the cats of the independent business people that are realtors. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued about uh, the model that you have in terms of representing them and handling their social media for them. What have, what have been some of the, the key pain points or the recurring things that you have had to navigate with that audience? Um, and how have you brought folks forward into truly understanding um, how the different channels work? And maybe you can just pick a couple of channels, uh, you know, with some examples. But my experience just with plain marketing was, 
uh, a lot of those folks are very opinionated. They are individual business people, free agent thinking, and uh, that's sometimes hard to to get them to adopt, uh, you know, new channels, new standards, and and things that they feel very strongly about. That hey, this is my personal brand that I'm out there representing. Absolutely, and you know, um, you know, one of the things that we see a lot is a lot of agents are still operating off of Facebook profiles. So even just the basic education of converting to business pages because of the success that they'll have with apps and having metrics. Um, and we handle all of their Facebook branding for them. And that's where we run into the challenges because, like you said, they do want to be really hands-on and have a lot of say with the look and the feel. So, um, you know, we found some challenges there. But for the most part, a lot of them have already adopted Facebook in one way or another. And what we do to kind of get them into segueing into the other sites is we really focus a lot on Google Plus just because the power behind it from, from search and, and with social signals and all of that. So a lot of it goes into education and um, we do a lot of education with our sales force so that they're armed and equipped to have those conversations to talk about the importance of it. Um, and then um, we do speaking engagements and we try and get in front of as many realtors as possible to educate them on the power of visual social marketing with Instagram and Pinterest and how that can really drive a lot of unique interest in leads um, you know, visually. So I think a lot of it just goes back to education and giving them tidbits of information and, and making them feel confident and also sharing case studies of success that other agents have had. That helps because they feel a little bit more comfortable with seeing it in a practical use from someone else. So that one answer has generated 20 questions. Uh, so now I've got to whittle them down. Um, Talk to me about the baton handing off. So are, is your consulting meant to be educational and transitional for most realtors so that they eventually transition into doing all of it themselves? Or are you finding that they need, um, they need that partner uh, for a longer period or a permanent uh, period of time? Our customer churn rate's really low, so we're finding that they're staying on with us at that partner level. Um, you know, we've also bundled this with some of our web products, so that also helps with that. Um, but I think that ultimately they just don't have the time that we can give in into the social accounts for them. Um, so I think that we're finding that they're staying with us on that end. But um, you know, some of them obviously the goal it would be great if they they were up and going. But again, they just don't have the um, expertise on the content side and to really craft solid content marketing and strategies. I mean. When we fill up these four libraries and banks of content, we have an entire content team where that's their main focus for that month is to make sure that that content is well curated, edited, proved. We, we hand take all of our own photos, so none of the photos are taken from the web. So there's a lot of work that goes into that that they just won't have the time for. So a couple more questions on this. Um, one, um, how, does, how do you then handle and manage authenticity so that you've got uh, a voice of that individual realtor. And then uh, another question, kind of my follow-up would then be, the, the nature of the home selling business is, um, you know, to have a very, uh, a, a very long period between sales for most buyers, right? They're gonna be in one home for quite some time and then they come back on the market. Do you have any success metrics of, you know, and it may be that the program's so new you haven't yet hit that next sales cycle, but, you know, where perhaps um, this process is keeping uh, relationships warm uh, while that particular consumer is off the market and 
allowing those agents to stay connected with them for longer periods of time. Yeah, so to answer your first question for authenticity, um, we have a, a very large operational workflow process that we have where we work from all the way from the sales rep to the business consultant that interacts with them all the way through my team and some of the questions we ask them, we've got a um, kickoff call with them and we ask them services, niche areas that they have so that we can better understand the tone, what their specialties are, is it foreclosures, is it um, you know for sale only and so forth, so that kind of helps us there. and then. In regards to the life cycle, you know, our program's still very new um, since we rolled this out just last month and we, we reintroduced it. We rolled it out last year and we reintroduced it this year in, in a much stronger program. <laughs> but what we're finding is that, um, you know, a lot of the content that we also put into the mix is evergreen. So it's really reaching every consumer, buyer, seller, or anyone in whatever life cycle they are. And we strategically kind of place the content in ways. And we also have um, hot content, which is all driven by an algorithm. On um, we suggest content to the client based off of uh, what's performing well for them, as well as what may be doing well and going viral elsewhere on the web. So that kind of helps with that lifecycle content as well. Gotcha. And do you have do you have and again because it's a youthful program, I understand it. So maybe the the thing to do is ask you more about your own social media efforts that you're learning from. You, you mentioned the evergreen content, um, but are there other specific challenges that you've identified, you know, being in the home selling market um, that particular channels are very good at getting you to those audiences, again, that are separated by many years and, and quite a few instances between purchases? Yeah, so for Pinterest, for example, it's one of our top performing social channels and it delivers a ton of referral traffic for us, but it's just not converting. So people love going to um, homes.com's Pinterest. They're looky loos. Those yeah, are the people exactly. who go to your open houses and don't buy, but they eat your cheese. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're the dreamers, they're building their dream kitchens, and For the Home is the number one search board on Pinterest and and for the home is the number one category in Pinterest. So we see them going there. Um, they're painting that American lifestyle like what they want. And they're coming into our website and, and browsing awesome photos of, of high-end real estate all the way down to average price. And then, you know, they're, they're really abandoning. So that's one of the social channels my group in particular are looking at and how we can really squeeze that in further into a, a conversion or more time on site. Um, so are you are you watermarking images? Or are there other types of engagement where you're trying to get the brand in front of them through Pinterest? Yeah, there's a couple techniques that we're doing. We do a lot of um, Pinterest contests. We were the first ones in real estate to do a Pinterest contest. We called it Pin It If You Love It. And it actually won um, PR News's, uh, or it was a finalist in PR News's Social Media Icon Awards. We were up against um, Arden, uh, Elizabeth Arden and, and a few other really good great big brands and and that goal was to really in, increase uh, repins, uh, referral traffic. We had almost 4,000 pins and repins and over 300 entries and we saw an increase in page views up to 420% and 782% increase in site searches. So that was a really successful contest in getting eyeballs to homes.com and you know, homes.com were relatively new, so we were trying to get the audience to understand who we are and what we did, and, and so uh -huh. that was more of a brand lift kind of campaign and have some fun with that. But it did really well. It got picked up by Social Media Examiner, and, and Huffington Post listed us as one of the top three Pinterest accounts to follow. So we're seeing just different success in Pinterest than we do in Facebook, whereas 
Facebook converts for us into guest cards and phone calls for our agents. So it's a much different experience. So I I was listening to how you were talking about um, all of the different channels. Is there is there channels in particular that you pay more attention to? You said Pinterest obviously isn't converting very much for you right now. But is there anything new, like are you giving feedback on Vine or some of the more niche type sites um, as a benefit to drive um, something bigger like, like Twitter? Yeah, you know, I think out of all the channels, most of our time is spent in Facebook, Google+, um, and then, you know, we do a lot of like micro short videos in Instagram. And on the rental side, we have over 6,000 videos in YouTube. So we have a heavy strategy in, in YouTube from a content perspective in there. Um, so I think out of all of them, some of the smaller ones that do really well is Instagram is really fun for us. And um, one of the niche things that we've been trying out is Ulio Board. We were the first ones ever to really do a, a, a contest inside of Ulio Board in the format that they allowed us to do it. So that was really unique where we were able to actually partner with bloggers and just DIYers and um, home improvement folks and, and that was just a, a completely unique experience for us. And a lot of what we do here on the brand side is just test a lot of stuff. Um, you know, our, our executive team is really open for us just testing campaigns. We're constantly running contests or, or Twitter chats or doing charity events and, and different things just to test each platform. So Ulio Board and um, some of those other niche home-related sites have been performing really well for us. Okay, that's great. And then my other question that just popped into my head was on the paid side of things. There's, I know when I was in the business, we didn't have nearly the amount of uh, tools that there are today. But especially from the realtor hat or even just some of the, the larger companies, the Remaxes and the Keller Williams out there, are you giving guidance at all to them of how they can expand? Or are you really just focused on how you expand um, your actual brand properties with paid? Um, no, we actually do both. So um, we do you know, paid advertising in, in our brand side, but we're also educating um, realtors and, and agents on how they can you know, increase Facebook dollars and spend to really increase their, their reach with inside of Facebook. And we're actually about to launch some tools that will help them manage their Facebook spend and, you know, give them direction on what types of posts to sponsor and so forth. So we want to make sure that we're educating them that it's not just content, but they also need to kind of pay to play to get their content to be seen and to expand that reach. Awesome. Eric, I wanted to um, talk a little bit with you about um, the human resources side of what you do. I had the the great pleasure of spending some time with you and the Hampton Roads uh, American Marketing Association chapter um, a couple of months ago and did a presentation out there and got to spend some time together and did a, a presentation for your team as well. And one of the things that we talked about is that this company, Dominion Enterprises and Homes.com and ForRent.com is essentially your entire career path, right? You have been with this company for what, 10 years or something like that? Yeah, the day I graduated. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, this is this has been your entire professional life, which is amazing in this day and age. And in fact, it's incredibly rare. Uh, we have a, a Social Pros uh, ebook coming out on March 31st, uh, which has uh, excerpts from people who have been on the show previously. And I just did some analysis and, and uh, 
you know, every single one of those people who are social media managers who we've talked to in the past has had multiple, multiple jobs. And so the fact that you've only been here and you've been there for such a long time is really fascinating to me. And I think that you had told me at one point that you sort of invented this job, right? That you kind of made this job happen and this uh, line of business. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think it's fascinating how entrepreneurial you are within this, uh, this corporate culture. Yeah, so I started off, you know, I was a marketing coordinator, worked my way up through management in, in the traditional side of marketing and um, did a little bit of social media when MySpace was really popular back in 2006. We stood up 100 MySpace accounts and we were managing on behalf of all of our local cities. And I saw all this referral traffic and leads we were getting out of it looking into, you know, Omniture Analytics and I was like, man, there's, there's something here. And I remember going to the senior team and say, hey guys, I need you to unblock me from MySpace and Facebook. I really want to implement this in our business. And at that time, everyone in the entire organization was 100% blocked from social media. We had no access to that. In order to lift the block, I had to call an IT guy in Seattle and say, hey, here's my, my VIN number. Can you please lift me from Facebook for two hours or from MySpace? So it was really funny. And then and that went to the next level of me saying, hey, let's do this for business um, from a brand perspective. I was able to hire an intern. That intern um, is now full-time with us and, and has worked her way up through social and uh, has merged both for rent and homes and it's been great to see her. And then it went to the next stage of me saying, hey, um, you know, we need to lift this for the entire organization. I think we've got something going here where our 400 sales reps can be the voice for our company. Let's get them to start speaking on our behalf. And then you know, the senior team lifted up the access levels for the whole company and we put out policies and procedures on how to appropriately use social and gave them education. And then it led into, um, you know, all this traffic, referral traffic was happening and then I, I kind of went and said, hey, I really would like to do this as a full-time job as opposed to all things traditional marketing, digital and so forth. I really want to practice my skill and, and focus in on that. And that led into the director of social role and um, from there, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, I put together like a 10-page proposal to the senior team and I was super nervous, gave it to them as a full-blown proposal on how we can monetize social and actually sell it in the industry and, and they didn't even turn the first page, so I was a little nervous, but a couple of years later, they, they really understood where I was going and the direction that I had from an organizational change. They allowed me to start that program and now we've we've got it for both brands and um, you know, it's a great revenue stream. So I, I think that just a lot of asking and, and begging and kind of keep going at it and they've really listened. It's been a great experience kind of championing through this and changing the culture and it's great to see our sales reps involved on, on Facebook daily interacting with clients and just made a huge difference for how we are as a culture too. At this point, how big is the team that, that you have at your disposal? So I have 14 now um, directly in the brand side and client services and then um, you know as I've been kind of championing social throughout our entire business you know a lot of what I've been doing the last two years is integrating into um, the entire fabric of our organization so I've got someone that's working in sales that focuses just on selling social services to really amp up the sales force to better turn the page from selling print to social and then um, we've got a social specific person that's in engineering that's looking at APIs and technology. So it's really great to kind of see HR and, and customer service, sales, engineering start to pick up and plant social media people in there that still roll up through those departments but have really strong influence and dotted lines into the social department. 
When you're hiring these people, are are there particular skill sets that you're really looking for? You know, I'm looking for really energized um, folks that have a lot of passion. That's one thing I can't teach is passion. And I, um, you know, played college soccer, and so I'm really big into passion and work ethic. And I strongly believe that if they understand how to use social really well personally, that I can coach them on how to use this for business. Because when we were first putting together my team, you know, they didn't have educational programs in college for social media, right? Everyone was just kind of coming in as interns and, and kind of shooting from the hip. So now we've got a really strong program in place where we groom them and, and you know, we send them through training. But I really look for passion, energy, and um, a lot of personality because we find that the social folks that run, um, that are, you know, the authorship on our blogs, that's important that they have strong social networks personally and that they're likable people that helps our content and that they know how to personally interact with folks. So I think that's that's big personality and passion and energy. Man, this is my my virtual podcast high five. Uh, that is such a great answer. And it reminds me very much of of what uh, Amber Naslin and I had in the Now Revolution. Uh, we have a whole chapter called Hire for Passion, Train for Skills. And, uh, and you nailed it. Great job. Thanks. Okay, let's uh, get into a couple other segments. We'll be back uh, with Erica Campbell Byram uh, in just a few minutes. And Erica, feel free to weigh in on our next two segments. If something strikes your fancy, I'll throw it to you. But first, let me remind everybody that this year podcast, Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media, like Erica Campbell Byram, is brought to you by the good people at Xbeon which is Erica McClenney's company. Xbeon is a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts, especially if you have a complicated business uh, with a lot of nodes, a lot of users, uh, franchise organization, multi-departments, things that really require uh, a lot of checks and balances. Xbeon could be the solution for you. They have a report that you should download called the Fave 50 Social Retail Report, which analyzed the Facebook presence of 50 top U.S. retail brands, took a look at 16,000 separate Facebook posts and figured out uh, the best practices, the metrics, the the ways to optimize your Facebook engagement. You should check that out. Even if you're not in retail, there's a lot of lessons that you can learn. You should check out the XBeyond Fave 50 Social Retail Report. You can download it for free right now at ar.gy slash fave50. That's F-A-V-E-5-0. Podcast is also brought to you by the good people at Jan Rain. Uh, Jan Rain are the leaders in uh, taking data and social behavior and merging them together to help you understand more about your customers and therefore your business. I'm actually doing a webinar with the good folks at Jan Rain coming up on April 1st. April 1st, mark your calendar. The webinar is called Eureka. Seven Ways to Mine the Hidden Gold in Your Customer Data. It's free on April 1st. Eureka, Seven Ways to Mine the Hidden Gold in Your Customer Data. I just worked on the alpha version of the slides the other day. It's going to be fantastic. You should register for that now at ar.gy slash eureka. That's ar.gy slash eureka. Okay, Jeff, how about if you could bring to us the social media number of the week i can do that jay the number is 60 percent actually technically over 60 percent uh i was uh browsing my uh, twitter stream uh while uh, on the way to south by southwest 
and uh, somebody passed along an article, uh, Google searches for role in app age, which is a headline from the Wall Street Journal. I believe, I'm trying to see the date here, dated uh, March 9th. And it's all about uh, how Google is working hard to monetize other types of revenue streams other than those just from search, because as more and more of the web uh, or internet, I should say, uh, traffic moves to mobile, search uh, tends to get dwarfed. It tends to uh, not be as relevant uh, in a mobile universe where people are using uh, designated apps where search might be integrated into those apps or it may be more intuitive, geolocation-based, behavioral-based, etc. But what caught my attention was towards the end of the article, uh, they quote a firm by the name of Local uh, Localytics, uh, L-O-C-A-L, Y-T-I-C-S, and we'll uh, provide this uh, link to the article in the blog post that accompanies today's podcast. But they are quoted as saying that more than 60% of apps are opened 10 times or fewer after being downloaded. And uh, this is something that I've uh, often discussed in the uh, in the sense that uh, we do not and have never really lived in the internet world in a build it and they will come time, uh, and that app developers have to be thinking about audience and social uh, media folks need to be thinking about audience. But uh, I thought that would be an interesting point of conversation, Jay, because you've got well over half of the apps that are downloaded uh, dying of attrition within 10 uses. And uh, it points to uh, certainly the need to figure out ways to engage those folks, um, both through you know perhaps email, push messaging. Uh, but one of the other interesting things the article gets into are the deep links uh, that are now becoming more prevalent within mm-hmm. apps. Yep. So the advertising you can sell within other apps to remind people to use apps that they're not using on their phone. Yeah, no and doubt. Using that detection methodology. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I'm not certain that I'm surprised uh, because you think about things like Candy Crush and the Facebook app and the Twitter app and um, Instagram. Those are the exceptions, uh, very much so, that prove the rule. Uh, and the issue is that most apps, most branded apps, especially from companies, which is really what we're concerned about probably more here at Social Bros, uh, are not very good. Um, they're not very good because they're not terribly compelling. And one of the reasons they're not compelling, and, and I've talked about this before, is that they try to do too many things, right? Instead of doing one thing great, they're like, well, we could also add this and this and this, and we could add this other feature. And then you don't have an app, you have a website that happens to be inside an app. And nobody wants that, right? You know, apps are supposed to be one or at best a few purposes. And I think there's too many ornaments being hung on the Christmas tree in many cases, which makes the whole app experience uh, bad. But well, I also keep with our keep with our our homes conversation today. It's like walking through a hoarder's house. Right. Way too much stuff right. to grab your attention and right, take you right. away from a primary goal. But but in, instead of stacks of newspaper, it's uh, it's navigation options. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I would love to see, though, is I, I wonder what percentage that is for websites, right? How, how many websites do you go to uh, and, and you and you never go to them 10 times or or more? I'm sure that percentage is pretty high, right? I mean, that uh, certainly oh, sure. you, have, you have, you know, the sites that you go to constantly uh, and the sites that you go to transactionally, like I need to know the weather, so I'm going to go to AccuWeather. Uh, and then you've got an enormous number of sites that you've been to one time. I mean, you look at 
at my blog or or the exact target blog, or I'm sure homes.com or XBeyond's blog. I mean, the the number of those people in your analytics who have been there one time is uh, is typically pretty high. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think though, <clears throat> what's interesting is that the the app download requires you know it's it's got friction, right? I've got to actually download the app. I then have to open the app. I then have to use potentially register and familiarize myself with the app to find its value. With a website, it's usually much more fluid and less friction filled, right? It's it's not frictionless. There's usually, depending on the site, there might be registration or other things. But um, this gets to I think the fundamental question about whether you know we will remain in a world where there is both mobile website and apps, or if one of them will slowly but surely weed out the other. And uh, I was having a conversation at, at one of the South by parties, uh, and someone was adamantly uh, advocating that in five years he thinks that the mobile web will displace a lot of apps. And I certainly could see that within particular uh, pockets and in, in industries, but I don't know if you can say it in a, in a carte blanche kind of way, but you have to admit right now, in a, in a universe where the number of apps competing for attention is ever expanding, and the search functionality to find apps is nowhere near as smooth as Google search functionality to find website, you know, content and things that are relevant. It, it certainly is an interesting, uh, interesting uh, contrast uh, between the two, and uh, something to to watch in terms of the utility it provides to users. Erica Campbell Byron, what do uh, what are you guys doing on the apps side? Is that something that uh, that you've got executed at this point? Yeah, so um, you know, obviously in our industry it's difficult because people are buying and selling, and it's just like a one-time thing. They're living in their home for quite some time, so we needed to figure out a way. How do we get continuous traffic or um, you know brand awareness throughout the entire life cycle? So one of the things that we focus on is home values in in our app, which is great, so that people can actually. It's more of a utility type app where people want to actually come back to frequently, maybe not every day, but you know, maybe once a quarter or a couple times a month. Um, they're curious what the value of their home is as well as their neighbors or maybe their executives. So that's kind of interesting there. Um, and then to your point about sometimes people try to do too many things in one app, you know, we saw that too. So we, we separated our um, for sale and for rent apps out so that we focused, we have rentals inside of the real estate app, but uh, we've also, you know, spawned off a, a new app that's specific to rentals because that's important that we're not trying to cram too much into to one, you know, environment. Does the, does the, the app, do, does one app promote the other kind of this deep linking or is that something that's on the roadmap? That's something that's on the roadmap. Um, we have a huge focus with mobile. We just recently rolled out our mobile app for Remax. We power Remax's website. Um, so that was a really big announcement that we launched at Remax R4. And um, so that was kind of our you know, primary focus. But yeah, on the roadmap, we've got a lot of great opportunity within mobile. Nice job. That's a good one, Jeff. Uh, that's a good number of the week. Thank you very much. 
All right, Erica McClenney, you're up next. I'm going to give you a moment to gather your thoughts since this will be your very first. Holy social. I will give you a moment to uh, to get yourself uh, together over there. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm going to tell you that this podcast, this very podcast is brought to you by the good people at Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry. Cision has a fantastic new tip sheet that you should download. It is free. You can get it at ar.gy slash amplify, and it's called Six Tips to Help Amplify Your Content. Is your content reaching your intended audience? Download Cision's free tip sheet to find out actionable insights for you for free from Cision. Go to ar.gy slash amplify. And the podcast, of course, is brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, Jeff's company. They're a world leader in interactive marketing software, part of the uh, salesforce.com Exact Target all-knowing marketing cloud. They power the email, web, mobile, and social programs of thousands and thousands of companies all over the world. In fact, our mutual friend, Kyle Lacey, who I do the weekly Bear Facts videos with, was down at uh, Exact Target's conference in Brazil this week. So uh, the, the love is circling the globe. Exact Target has a very interesting new report, as they always do. They're always churning out good market research. The new one is called the 2014 Mobile Behavior Report. Good segue, since we were just talking about mobile. And in this report, 470 consumers shared their actual daily interactions across smartphones and tablets. So the way this worked is that Exact Target got permission from these consumers to actually track their real mobile behavior patterns, not just what they say they do in mobile, but literally mined their data and their behaviors to uncover some pretty fascinating insights on preferences and how people actually use mobile websites, responsive design, apps, etc. Take a look at that. I think you'll learn a lot. I certainly found some things in there I didn't know. And you can get that, the 2014 Mobile Behavior Report from Exact Target at ar.gy slash behavior. That's ar.gy slash behavior. Okay, Erica, here we go. It's time for Holy Social. All what right. amazing I'm, story do you have? I, I'm like awake enjoying you now. So I, I'm, I'm exactly on target. So we're good. Um, I'm thinking back, holy social moment. I grew up actually with a real estate family, and I remember 30 plus years ago, I'm going to date myself here quickly to feed to the other Erica's business of my mom carrying around MLS books once a month and how that has moved to uh, an online situation. Then now we're talking about shopping for houses from your GPS location on a mobile app. So, holy social moment of the next iteration is the trending vending lounge that I saw at South by this week. So Mondelez, uh, who is a customer of Xbeon, did some really cool things with trending topics on Twitter. You literally could walk up to a machine, had a touchscreen panel based on what was trending on Twitter at that exact moment in time. You pick a hashtag, and you had 12 different flavors of cookies, different colors, custom patterns, thousands of different combinations using a 3D printer and would print you a custom Oreo. It was no. kind of mind-blowing. Could, could you actually eat it? Was it pretend? Or was it a real Oreo? Or could you eat it? Or just it was, a, it was a toy Oreo? No, legit. Like, it was called Eat the Tweet. So you would eat your tweet. And it had, I, I heard from several different people, it, some of them were mint with uh, birthday cake and chocolate. Some of them had some lime flavorings to them. But they were all unique. So the filling was a different color. The cookie was a different color. And um, really, really cool stuff as, as kind of a customer experience. And um, we actually had a panel that we talked beyond that about um, how things are going to be so customized in the future and that social can feed or what 
whatever your preferences are, whether it's ordering information or um, your experience being personalized like this tweet around what you chose from trending topics on Twitter, um, that's the future of using social data in the supply chain and in CPG world. And it was pretty mind-blowing. Holy mackerel, that is that is crazy. Uh, do you have a, a video of that uh, program? You know what, I do, yes. Uh, off awesome. the top of my head, I do not have the link, but if you just Google Eat the Tweet in South by Southwest, there's tons of articles popping up um, that you can grab, and there's Excellent. some people that actually show you how the machine is printing the different cookie flavors. Amazing. If you really want to get that techie, yeah, excellent. We'll make sure to grab one of the videos and embed it into the blog, uh, the blog post for the show. We need to come up with something like that for the podcast, right? So, like, whatever Jeff says uh, as the social media number of the week, that creates some sort of food that spits out of my second monitor. We'll, we'll work on that. That would be that would be great. People see people don't know that we typically record these uh, around happy hour time at the end of the day. So, I'm always a little hungry when we're doing the podcast. So, we need. We need somebody to underwrite this that can create like custom Doritos um, based on what we talk about. Let's do that. Well, they did have a lot of social cocktails, so they had all sorts of things that were, you know, Twitter reenies and things of that nature. So you could you could have a, a drink with your your Oreo. I like it. I kept thinking that when we had Adrian Parker on the show three weeks ago, that Patron would end up being a sponsor, but no such luck yet. One of these days, you know. It's interesting that you cite that example because I think that hits on one of the mega trends of South by is that. It has moved beyond being the place where you're looking for the next hot app or the next hot social channel. And now it's about these big consumer brands, um, you know, uh, combining social and technology and, you know, uh, trying to get amplification and build audiences. So, you know, I remember Jay, uh, you know, probably four or five years ago was the first time that Chevy did their driving uh, campaign right where they would drive people around they yeah. just pulled up in chevys that weren't branded or anything they just had you know it's a regular chevy this year they were completely wrapped cars and you know they were everywhere and you had subway and you had 3m and you had you know oreo um so it was a it was very interesting it was it was very much a cpg south by southwest yeah i wonder if uh, i wonder if the cool kids are going to flock to something else right they'll be you know South by Northeast in Brooklyn or something where everybody's making custom pickles or what have you. I, I, did, I don't know, Jeff, or you were there. I think it was actually probably a, a kind of a split world starting to emerge where it really was the business function and bigger into data and experience. And then everybody else who just showed up to have a good time. That's yeah, how my experience was. It, it's almost like there's a South by Southwest pop culture track. Um, I mean, if you look at who spoke, right? Um, Seth Meyers, right? Seth Myers has a new show. So why is he there? He's promoting a new show. Uh, he's keynoting, right? Is that interactive? Is that film? Is that music? Not really any of them. Uh, Lena Dunham up there as well. Um, so it, it, it's, it's becoming uh, very much, you know, a, 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 an exploration of pop culture with, you know, tangential relationship to uh, interactive and social media, um, which I, I think is fine. Um, but it definitely is interesting to see how how it continues to you know grow and change and um, you know you you it's definitely not the South by it was five years ago but it wasn't the South by it was five years before that so fascinating show. 
All right, here we go for the last two big questions for Erica Campbell-Byram, Director of Social Media for Forrent.com, Homes.com, doing some terrific things uh, out there. Erica, are you ready for the two big questions? Yes, I am. Okay, first question. What one tip would you have for people looking to become a social pro? Um, to me, it's a combination of passion and skill. Um, passion, as I mentioned before, is really important to me, and I feel as though that's one skill that I can't teach people. So um, that is something that I, I think social pros should look for is having that passion and really dialing in on, on what about social do you like. And for you know, for me, for example, I was doing so much from a broad perspective with marketing. In order for me to be a social pro, I needed to hone in specifically into social to, to be that pro in social. So I think passion and, and fine-tuning that skill is important. Good advice. Last question. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? You know, if I could do a Skype call, I think Sheryl Sandberg would be awesome um, You know, with Facebook. I think she's so charismatic and incredibly influential, and she's such a great example of a female businesswoman. So I would love to pick her brain, not only on the dynamics of Facebook and what she's done from a product perspective and, you know, generating revenue and, and so forth and becoming profitable, but I'd love to chat with her about just being a woman leader and kind of her take on that. I, I think it's pretty inspiring and refreshing. That's a good answer as well. I think that, uh, I don't know if we've had Cheryl Sandberg before, maybe one other time on the show. I don't remember, but, uh, uh, but that is, uh, a good answer and certainly inspirational for, for many people and several, uh, folks that we've had on the show in the past. Jay, uh, I do have to interject here with a very important question because it has come out that Erica is a former soccer player. I have yes. to ask her who her clubs are that she roots for both uh, domestically yeah. and internationally. You know, I like Manchester United, um, and I'm really excited for World Cup. I think this is going to be an incredible summer, so I'm super excited for that. Excellent. And do you have an MLS team that uh, you follow at all? You know, I'm kind of biased to Red Bull only because um, having played at Old Dominion University, we have a fellow um, teammate of ours on the men's side that played there, so we kind of followed them for a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't follow men's soccer too much on the, uh, you know, MLS side. Excellent. Well, Jay, we will. that gives me an idea. We're going to have to reach out to somebody at MLS or uh, somebody at FIFA on the social side with World Cup approaching. And yeah, somebody at FIFA would be great. Social that's soccer. Idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea, somebody on the, uh, on the World Cup side. We'll have to uh, scour the archives for uh, the throwback photo of Erica Campbell playing soccer for Old Dominion and put that in the show notes for everybody out there. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> That'll be fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. You were terrific. Congratulations on all the success at, at uh, ForRent and Homes.com. And uh, thanks so much for being part of Social Pros. Jeff, who's on the show next week? Next week, uh, I believe we're going to have Jared from Subway <laughs> because he was at South by. Was he really? That's hilarious. Uh, because he really, he, he really was at South by. I, I actually, this, this year, I... I had more brushes with fame than in any other South by now fame is, you know, a very relative thing these days. I didn't bump into Jared and, uh, and, but I did, uh, I did fly on a plane with Jamie Hellerman from uh, Mythbusters and walked yeah. off the plane with him. Nice. Uh, I did see, uh, Dylan McDermott, okay. uh, in a ball cap trying to be all, uh, undercover coming out of some South by session blowing by me at a hundred miles an hour. So he wouldn't be recognized. And uh, 
and oh, the, the big thing. Hey, I was followed and retweeted by Grumpy Cat and Drew Carey on the same day. Wow. Yes. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yes. Was Drew Carey at, uh, at, at South by? No, but CBS Daytime had a realistic replica of the Price is Right wheel that you could spin to win. And they had the announcer and one of the gals uh, who does the Showcase Showdown stuff there. Well, the fact that CBS Daytime was at South by sort of uh, ratifies your point about it being sort of pop culture oriented and not so much uh, uh, cool kids of technology. Yes, it, it blew my mind. They were off in the corner and I just heard this sound and I'm like, that sound sounds very familiar. <laughs> that sounds around. like the wheel. It, it is. I mean, it was made up like the set. It was it was kind of mind blowing. Oh, my other brush with fame. Congressman Daryl Issa in the Mashable House. If you can explain that one to me. Wow, that's that's uh, that's hurting your chances of re-election because things go on in the Mashable House that you shouldn't be doing as an elected official. Well, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm showing a little bit of my political bent, but that's actually how I got retweeted and followed by Grumpy Cat because I said, oh, what the heck is Daryl Issa doing in the Mashable House? He's the original Grumpy Cat. And uh, apparently there Grumpy Cat liked that. So what are you going to well, do? Well, I am uh, I am devoting the rest of my career to taking Drew Carey's job uh, at Price of Right. So I, I'm always really? interested, always interested to know uh, what he's up to. That's, You're a Price is Right guy. That's your show. Uh, You're- big fan, and I'm incredibly good at it uh, for some reason. And uh, that is my that is my dream job, hosting the Price is Right. I would peg you more as an Alex Trebek kind of no, guy. No, no, that's too much work. You got to know too much. I can't huh. do it. The real See, person I need them to bring back press press your luck. I'm gonna oh, I love that show. Guy. I love that show. Press your luck was fantastic. All the old game shows were better. But you're now about to tell me that Jared is not our guest. Next no, Jared is not. Jared isn't. Yes, back and around. Jared is not the guest. However, <laughs> uh, fun fact for those at home: uh, Jared is from Bloomington, Indiana. Jared was discovered not two miles from where I'm standing today. The subway that Jared ate at every day when he was a student here at IU. Uh, I drive by every single day on the way to my kid's school. Uh, so he is a local celebrity. I've seen him millions of times here in town. He comes to basketball games and football games and all that. In fact, he was originally discovered uh, by the Indiana University kelly school of business uh back in the day so he is uh he is a he is a local a local guy so we should have him as a guest in the future i could probably make that happen that's that's probably probably social as celebrity well there's not as much of him to bump into as there used to be so there you go the real person that we are having on the show next week is uh, Brian Clark from Copyblogger. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be uh, in person. Uh, Jeff and I will be uh, chatting with Brian at Social Media Marketing World live from San Diego. So looking forward to that. So until then, thanks, everybody, for listening to Social Pros. Please continue to tell your friends. The listenership for the podcast continues to skyrocket. We would love your review on, uh, on iTunes or Stitcher, something like that. That would be fantastic. Until next time, I'm Jay Bear. He is Jeff Forge. And congratulations to Erica McClenny from X Beyond, her very first show in the can. Great job, Erica. Yeah, I made it. I made it. Clap, 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 clap. I was clap, like clap. In the middle, but I came back strong again. Oh, you were fantastic. Thanks so much. Erica Campbell Byram, thanks to you as well. We'll see you next time on Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to Cision, Janray, XPN, and ExactTarget, a Salesforce.com company.